Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. For those of you who aren't used to Colorado weather yet, isn't it nice? Isn't it nice? If I was in the Midwest, it would still be cloudy until April. I'll take the sun any day. I want to begin our service a little differently. Take the hymnal that's in front of you and turn to reading number 484. Reading number 484, and I want us to prepare uh, for worship with this prayer, and then we'll sing after that. So stand and let's pray this together. Join me and let's read together. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low by you. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And let the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Sweet, sweet sound in your 
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you and offer ourselves in faith to you and to the ministry of your word as you have ordained it tonight. With this one prayer upon our hearts, that you too will be faithful to your promises, to use your word in order to achieve your purposes within us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Our chapel theme for this year is My Heart and Altar, God's Love, the Flame. Now, when we think about altars, the first image that is likely to come to our minds for most of us will probably be very similar to these that we see right here at the front of our chapel. Or, perhaps, the image that may come to our, our minds is something similar to this. It's a very attractive altar, isn't it? It's well-maintained. Every detail of this altar is painstakingly cared for. It's very inspiring. Every aspect is, a, is, is created to be a reflection of the glory of God. And it inspires within us awe and amazement. It's very appealing. As we can see, it draws people to itself. When we refer to the altar of our lives, there are people for whom this is an appropriate image. The, the altar of, of their lives reflects these characteristics. However, there are many people for whom this second image is more appropriate rep representation for the altar of their lives. It's, it's very similar to this. If God would give us a glimpse of our heart, if we could just peek inside for a moment, This is what our altar looks like. It's a different story. This altar is unattractive. Unless you are a geologist or an archaeologist, you are certainly not likely to find this image more attractive than the previous one. It's not maintained very well. Life has not been good to this altar. It has been exposed to many ravages. 
And there are obvious signs of wear, neglect, even abuse. It's far from inspiring. Rather than being innately inspiring, our initial reaction is to wonder if the glory of this God is as weathered and tarnished as the altar that represents him. More than being inspired to awe and amazement, we are moved to pity at the fate of the God who sits at this altar. Far from appealing, this altar draws no admiring crowds, just the historically curious. In my preparations for tonight's service, I have felt directed by God to speak to those of us here tonight whose lives are represented not by the first image, but by the second one. Having said this, I must make clear that I believe that God intends this message to be for persons who are saved. I believe that this message is from God to believers. To those who are genuine children of God, to those who through the blood of Jesus Christ have cleansed the altar of their lives of all foreign gods, to those who have turned their back on the rebellion of sin against the true God, and to those for whom the flame of God's perfect love burns brightly upon the altar of their lives. This message is for us who are saved. But also, though saved, in some significant manner, our lives have been scarred by the ravages of the imperfect world in which we live. The altars of our life have been scarred by the neglect or abuses of other people that have left deep wounds upon our souls that this, to this day, create struggles and barriers in our relationships with God, with others, even with ourselves. Perhaps our lives, our altars, have been scarred by poor life choices that we have made in the past. And these poor choices persist in negative consequences that it seems that we're always battling and regretting. 
or our lives have been scarred by unhealthy habits and, and lifestyles that bind us like locks and chains for which we have no keys to be free. Perhaps our lives have just been scarred by cruel chance, by events or by the choices of other people, those types of circumstances of a fallen world that are beyond our control. They just happen without explanation. But nonetheless, they have left us with great burdens to bear in our life. Tonight, as we look at the images of these two altars, some of us definitely identify more with this one than the first. This is how we view our lives. It's how we fear other people view us. Even at times, how God views us. Even though we are called to be his ministers, these scars continue to have an undesirable impact upon our ability to pursue that ministry. Each time we approach God at the altar of our heart, along with the flame of his love, we find all of the hurts, the pains, the fears, the insecurities, the shames, the guilts, the angers, and the envies that are etched there deeply into our hearts. Each time we approach that altar, the same nagging question plagues our minds. How can God ever use me as his minister? How can this bruised and broken altar ever bring glory to him? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Before we get too depressed here tonight, we need to understand that there is a message of good news that God spoke just for us. We find this message in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Having just come from his bruising battle with Satan, Jesus enters the friendly territory of a synagogue in Nazareth. The time has come he is now ready to embark on the mission for which God has sent him into this world. The scroll of Isaiah is handed to him. And he begins to read what he obviously intends for the people gathered there to view and understand as the, the foundation and the focus of his life and his ministry to them. 
he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Summarizing, Jesus has chosen this passage as his life message, his life ministry. He is saying to those people, he is saying to us, I am here to bring hope. Hope to the poor, to the prisoners, to the blind, to the oppressed. In other words, to the scarred in this life. To really understand the application of this message to us whose lives are reflected in this broken altar. It will be helpful to know something about the people to whom God first spoke these words. This passage comes from Isaiah chapter 61. In this chapter, God is speaking to the nation of Israel. However, this is not rebellious Israel that is the object of God's wrath that he is about to cast from his presence into Babylonian captivity. This is Israel, the remnant. Those purified from their sins. The true children of God. This is Israel who, though blessed, redeemed, and chosen by God to be his ministers in rebuilding the city and the altar that was to be his residing place, yet finds themselves still poor, brokenhearted, captive, and imprisoned. It is to these scarred people that God says, I have come to inhabit the altar of your life. No matter how unattractive, neglected, abused, or uninspiring it may be. In verse 4, God gives them this promise. No matter how badly battered and bruised your altar may be, when my splendor abides there, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. What then is the meaning of this message to us today. First of all, I believe that what God is saying to us whose altars are so scarred, I understand you. 
We often think of the perfection of Jesus. And if we were to pick one of these two altar images to represent him, we would surely select the one on the left. However, it is, it is Jesus of whom Isaiah said, he, he, ha, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. What was Isaiah telling us? Isaiah was simply saying this, Jesus bore his own scars. We are told by Luke that even those gathered in the synagogue that day to listen to Jesus when he proclaimed the good news of God could not see in him the splendor of God. And they rejected him as if he were some Scarred, useless altar. Know this. Jesus knows every scar in our lives. He understands every fear and insecurity that robs us of joy and hope. He understands every painful failure from our past that imprisons our souls with guilt. He knows every insecurity that blinds us to, his, to the grace of His presence. He understands every hurt or pain that it oppresses our spirits with anger and bitterness. God is telling us that in Jesus, He understands you. Secondly, understanding you fully, I have chosen you just as you are. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Jesus was not promising us that he would take our worn, ravaged, uninspiring altars and recreate them into the kind of image we see here on the left. What he was promising is that our battered, bruised, and broken altars were the very means by which he would fulfill his mission through us. I understand you. Having understood you, I have chosen you just as you are. Having chosen you just as you are, be confident 
that your imperfections will not limit my ministry through you. Again, God reminds us of his promises in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus desires that we know, live, and serve by the truth that the splendor of the Christian life lies not in the altar, but in the flame of God's love, grace, and spirit that burn upon it. In this truth lies the good news for the poor in spirit. In this truth is the freedom for us who have too long been imprisoned by our past. In this truth is the sight for those blinded to the greatness of His work in us. In this truth is the release from all that has kept His joy and peace oppressed in our hearts. Jesus is saying, I understand you. And understanding you fully, I chose you just as you are. And having chosen you, you need to be confident that your imperfections will not limit my ministry through you. And having called you to confident ministry, know that today my promise is fulfilled in you. Back in Luke, having read the scroll and sat down, Jesus said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today it is fulfilled. God's message. If you are one of us whose life is like the altar on the right, and you have been living under the weight of the scars your altar bears, Jesus says, come. Trust me to proclaim the Lord's favor over your life. Come, let me be the fulfillment of God's promises to you. Come, with your altar just as it is. Come, let me ignite Again, the flame of God's love, of His grace, of His Spirit upon your altar.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for so great a grace that is greater than any scars that have been etched deep into the altar of our hearts. We thank you for the great salvation of Jesus Christ who comes and preaches over our lives, over those bruised and battered altars, the great proclamation of the year of the Lord's favor, who can say to us today, in this very moment, Are the promises of your word fulfilled in us? Lord, we pray for those who have come in faith to you, in obedience to your word, as you have called them. May you abide through your splendor within them. May the flame of your presence, your love, your grace, and your spirit burn brightly in this very moment upon each one gathered here. And we give you all of the praise and all of the thanks. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.